that is both intimate, but Father, a moment that is also um, affirming and life-changing, affirming that our sins are forgiven, but life-changing that we want to not make the same mistakes this week we made last. Father, we pray that you'll be with us, help us to carry this as we move forward. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Read a story about an elder of a church in Pennsylvania. Uh, apparently there was a pretty severe ice storm that had hit the rural community where this little church was uh, located, and uh, there was a member of the congregation uh, whose eight-year-old boy had leukemia. Uh, her car was stuck in her driveway. Uh, she couldn't do anything with it, and her little boy was getting uh, very, very sick. She called the uh, Pittsburgh hospital where he was getting treatments, and uh, when she called, uh, she found out that they said, look, we, you need to get him in here. Uh, symptoms and the things are happening, you need to get to the hospital. But we can't send an ambulance. Uh, the roads are too bad. So if you can get this, this boy here, we want to see him. We need to see him. But we can't come to you. And so she uh, was very desperate, didn't know what to do. So she called the church, <laughs> called the minister. And unfortunately, the minister said, I'd love to help him. My car is in the shop and I don't have a car. So they settled on one of the elders of the church. Now, he was an elder who was known for having pretty nice cars and, and uh, doing pretty well for himself, and uh, right, one of those people who is meticulous about how they take care of things. And uh, he, he was an older gentleman, but he said, yeah, I'll, I'll go get the lady if I can. So he took off in his nice car to pick up this woman and her son. Before he got to their house, twice, he slid off the road. Dings on his car both times. No one got hurt, but he was doing some nice damage. Finally got to the house, they got the child into the car, and he started to make his way towards Pittsburgh. As they were heading toward Pittsburgh, the, uh, everything was going along pretty well. It was slick, it was bad, there was no traffic, but he came to a place where it was a, a large hill he had to go down. He was very concerned about this. But before he decided what to do, he... Uh, kind of looked both ways. He looked over at the little boy. The little boy was very sick, and he looked at this, this old man, and he said, Mr., are you Jesus? <laughs> he said, no, I'm just an elder of the church, but I, I know Jesus is with us. Well, they started down that hill, and you know what happened. They had to go down the hill. They made it to the bottom, but he spent most of the time riding in a ditch, just, just tearing up his old car, his nice car. Finally, he got to the hospital, and the little boy was able to get the care he needed. What makes someone do something like that? It's love, isn't it? It's love for God and it's love for others. I know that that story is probably not unique. There are others who have made similar kinds of sacrifices to help someone. Uh, that's the job of an elder of a church, to look after the flock and the sheep. But I love those kinds of stories where people put aside the things that they normally value most out of a selfless love for others. I think that kind of love comes from, from Christ. I think he's the ultimate author, and from God, the, the author of that kind of love. So this morning, on this Valentine's weekend, I want to talk to you just very quickly about some aspects of love that Jesus talked about. And, and as we think about that, <laughs> I want you to understand that there are some, some truths that Jesus says about love that aren't what we always think about when we think about love. For example, listen to what Jesus says 
in Matthew chapter 5 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. That first story we told this morning, it sounds great when it's a child from the church that you love and you care about, but could you imagine doing an act like that for someone who you hated or who was an enemy? Someone who had done you wrong? It'd be a lot harder to do an extraordinary act of kindness for an enemy. Jesus turns our idea of who we love upside down right out of the gate when he says, love your enemies, love the people who have done wrong to you. That's a hard truth to say. I have to imagine the people who were sitting there hearing that in that village up on the hillside where Jesus is teaching, uh, they had to be a little puzzled by those words. For the people who lived in that village, they had moved there and lived there because they kind of wanted to get away from people they didn't like. And so when they hear those words right away from Jesus, like, wait a minute, what are you saying, love my enemies? <laughs> That's not an easy thing to hear. He goes on. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the people who are doing you harm. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? By the way, the people they didn't like... The tax collectors are one of those groups. Jesus makes that point. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Then this curious statement. So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This kind of love is an interesting thing. God has perfect love. It's uh, never... A love that it can be anything but pure and perfect. A perfect love. That's what he calls us to. Love like God loves. And he says to demonstrate the love of God. God takes care of the wicked and the good. He sends rain on both. And he says we should do nothing less than that. It's a love that exceeds expectation and almost exceeds explanation. It's a love that only God can fully demonstrate, but Jesus says we should love like that. Love our enemies. That's not the only thing he says about love that's difficult. So let's look at another passage in the same book in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus talks again about love and the nature of the kind of love we're supposed to have. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. For this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love with everything. This concept was one that was familiar even from the Old Testament for all those that were worshipers of God. It was the idea that we give God, he gets first place. Now, this is a challenge, and it's been a challenge from the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden faced the temptation of, of the fruit, but when they're there, what, what was the thing that Satan said to them? If you eat this, well, you'll be like God. You'll have 
just as much of a position and a place as God has. In all of humanity, this is the great challenge. The great challenge is what place do I get to have and what place does God get to have? And do I get a higher seat or a higher position than him in my life? And the answer, quite honestly, for most of us is from time to time we take priority over God, which shouldn't be. But we make our will more important than his will. This is where it makes Jesus' example so powerful when he was in the garden before his death on the cross where he was fearful of the things that were to come. And he says and he prays in earnest, right? Drops of blood, his earnest prayer. But his prayer was what? Father, not my will, but your will be done. You get first place. Even if what you're asking me to do is hard and difficult, you get to have the first spot. Give him the first place. A love that leads, a love for God that leads everything else that we have. <laughs> There's a third thing that Jesus says about love I want us to think about. And this is, a, this is a passage from John chapter 14. And this is where Jesus gives us another window into love that's, well, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. Because it demands... Um, it demands letting go of some things that we might want to hold on to. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14 about love. He says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Which, if we've been disobedient... Do you get what Jesus says there? When we're disobedient, we're saying we don't really love God. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. One of the things I marvel at about Jesus and his life is that Jesus constantly had a phrase that he said over and over and over. I've come to do the will of my Father. I've come to do the will of he who sent me. Jesus lived his life in a way where he was constantly saying that uh, I will obey my Father in heaven. Now there is a challenge that people face. Why should I do what God wants? Why should I listen to God at all? Why, why should I care what he thinks about things? And people who do not know God or fear God have these thoughts all the time. The idea of why should God get to arbitrarily decide what's right and wrong and decide what I should or shouldn't do or what I should or shouldn't be. Well, there are three reasons, at least, for why we should obey God. Here's the first. Humanity was created by God. He's our creator. He's the one who made us and set us into motion, and we exist. Without him, there would be no people at all. So we owe him a certain thing for just giving us life on the planet. There's a second truth. He loves us. He loves us with a, a love that is a, of a depth we can't even fully comprehend or imagine. It was demonstrated, the depth of his love, when he allowed Jesus to die for us on the cross. Where he said, I will do whatever it takes to bring these people back in a relationship with me that's right. 
And there's a third thing, and that is that this world and this life is not all there is. And he has told us that those who love him, who obey him, who follow him will be with him forever. And he's coming back for those who love him with all their heart, who keep his commands. Amen. So obedience. It's hard to obey someone who is cruel, hateful, selfish, doesn't care about us. It'd be hard for any of us to obey a person or being like that. But that is not God. God is the very embodiment of love. God is the one who has and continues to do whatever he can to draw us into a right relationship with him. The yoke he puts on us is not heavy, but it is light. And he even helps carry the load. So Jesus says we should have a love that heeds what he wants. And he modeled that even in going to the cross. And there's one last kind of love I want us to look at on this Valentine's Day weekend and, and all those things as we think about love. And Although not romantic love, but the kind of love that the Bible describes. And this comes from John chapter 21, verse 15 and following. And this is the passage that talks about how that, that we are to be, have a love that feeds others, not just ourselves. That it's not just about us being in a right relationship with God, but how we demonstrate that, model that, and care for others. Jesus is at this point in John 21 reinstating Peter. This is after the crucifixion, after the trial, after Peter's denial. Now he's resurrected from the grave. This is one of his last appearances with his disciples before the transfiguration. And he reinstates Peter. You know the story. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That is, more than the disciples and the friends that were there at the beach. Peter's response, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, well, then feed my lambs. Jesus is saying, if you love me, there's some certain things you're going to do. And Peter, if you love me, feed others. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And of course, Jesus tells him one more time, then feed my sheep. Jesus was giving to Peter a commission he also kind of gives to us. It's a commission that says, if I am a follower of God, if I love God, I love my enemies, I love my neighbors, I give him first place, I do those things, and I share that love with others. I share that love by giving them God's word, God's truth, God's blessings, God's help, doing all that I can for others. It's a beautiful thing when we get that right. And I got to witness that this past week. I don't, I, I, I hesitate to tell the story because it's about my grandkids and you know I could be that proud grandpa moment. But I got one of those this last week. My son Casey and his wife Carly and my granddaughter Nora and my other grandchildren were here on Sunday for worship last week. And after worship was over, we went out to Bruschetta's there in town, a little uh, Italian restaurant that's going out of business soon, 
And we were all seated at the table, just enjoying our, our garlic bread and breadsticks and all those fun things that go with it. And everyone was just chit-chatting, talking about football, life, basketball, the Hoosier-Purdue game, all those things. And uh, my granddaughter, who is a uh, first grader, she said, real quietly, hey, Grandpa, guess what? <laughs> I said, yeah, Nora, what? And she said, well, today at church, <laughs> she said, there was this song we sang about Jesus, and I really like it. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she started to sing. I, I got a private performance at the end of the table, her singing a worship song she learned in church. I said, that's a beautiful song. You know what that means? Yeah, it's about how much Jesus loves us. I said, yeah, it is. That's right. That is how much he cares about us. And then she said, and you know what else, Grandpa? I said, what else? She said, well, we were doing that communion thing today, and at that communion thing, they were talking about how strong God is. I said, what do you mean? I was trying to figure out what was going on there. And she said, well, there used to be this curtain between the people and God, and he just ripped it in two. But Grandpa, she said, it was as thick as my Bible. And God just ripped it in two, so he is really strong. He loves us, and he's really strong. And I said, yeah, that's awesome. Now, that was from one visit at the church. Now, she's been here more than that, but in a single day, she was fed, and it was transforming for her. And she was telling me all about it. And I thought, man, God, that is exactly right. If you love me, feed my sheep. Demonstrate that love to others. And there are some of you here doing that. And it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. So we want to have a love that feeds. We want to have a love that heeds the commands of God. We need to have a love that leads in the sense it has first place in our life. And finally, a love that exceeds all expectations in how we love others. This is the love of Christ. Now, incredibly, in our culture, uh, we have all heard the kind of embodiment and learned it somehow, whether it was through Sunday school or whatever, even still today, if you watched the NBA this week when there were people trying to set a new scoring record, you would have seen a, a person holding up that sign with John 3.16, which is that verse that we all hold on to and remember, but tells us so much about the love of God. So let's close this conversation on God's love by reciting that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son. Oh, you don't know this part, do you? You might. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world could be saved. Love. Love. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is the love that he expects from us. So it begs the question, Am I loving God? Am I loving others? And am I accepting the love that God has for me? It might be that you're here this morning, you've never yet accepted the love of God into your life. Maybe you think God can't forgive you for what you've done, or perhaps you think 
I haven't done anything that bad that needs that. Whatever the reasons are that have kept you from this moment, I encourage you to make a decision for Christ as a response to his love, a love that is unlike any other love that we are offered. I encourage you to make the decision to say, I want him to be the Lord of my life and the love of my life and have first place in my life. When we make that decision, we certainly make it in our head and in our heart, but we also are told that we should be faithful in Christian baptism to die to an old life and rise to a new. And if that's something you've never done, it's something I encourage you to do. Jesus did it. The apostles did it. It's an important step for us to take. It's very powerful. It might also be that you're here today and you're already an immersed believer, but you're seeking a church home that you can plug into and be a part of. A church that still has elders that will drive their car out in the ice and snow to help people in need. Maybe that's a decision that you have. Or maybe you were challenged by Jesus' words. Uh, Maybe there's an enemy that you need to pray for. Uh, Maybe there's someone who's done harm to you and you need to show them love. Or maybe it's about priorities. Maybe you need to rearrange them a little bit and give God more first place and yourself a little bit less. I really don't know what God's laid on your heart. But I pray that you'll listen to the Holy Spirit's leading as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.